bad snap again. Ronald corrals it, and he's picked off. On the return, it's Baker, and Baker scores! Miami's got the the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. Hey, what do you say, Miami? You're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the... Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, the Dolphins beat the Jets. Yes! A Dolphins victory! This is what it feels like. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. Been a few weeks since that overtime win over the Bears. But the Dolphins get off the schneid and move to above 500 again. A 5-4 and four record. Yeah! After an absolutely thrilling, a complete dismantling of the New York Jets, a comprehensive victory. As the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, we played so well today. I mean, it was everything you could have asked for from the Miami Dolphins. They gave it to you today. It was, it was tremendous. The offense was clicking on all cylinders. The defense was clicking on all cylinders. It was a clinic. It was a clinic. The Miami Dolphins put on a clinic in a thrilling 13 to 6 victory at home against the New York Jets. What a time to be alive. Oh, yeah. What a game. This is one of those games that, I mean, I, there's no way to put it other than this is what you would call an ugly win. Because there was very little about this game that was attractive from a Dolphins perspective. I mean, you could certainly say there there was some attractive stuff happening on the defensive side of the ball. That Brock Osweiler, he's an attractive man. I will tell you that much. But uh, man, the 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 offense was not good, and and it's interesting because this was probably the most ineffective this offense has been since Brock Osweiler took over as the quarterback for the Dolphins. Well, I mean, shouldn't say that Brock Osweiler took over as much as Tannehill went down with an injury, but. Well, yeah, I mean, Tannehill went down for an injury and Brock Osweiler took over. Semantics. But against a very bad New York Jets defense, the Dolphins managed an average New York Jets defense. We'll call it an average New York Jets defense. The Miami Dolphins put up a net 168 yards in this game. (laughs) Yeah. They, they, they had a net, they had a net 104 passing yards. And we won. And we won. Frank Gore was your feature back, your lead back in this game for the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins rushed for a net of 64 yards in this game. Gore, the leading rusher with 20 carries for 53 yards. Kenyon Drake, three carries for nine yards. And we won, baby. 
I mean, we did get the victory, which is, I guess, the important thing at the end of the day. Listen, we if there if the Dolphins, I always say, if the Dolphins went two and fourteen, and the two victories were over the Jets, okay. So the Dolphins, while it wasn't pretty, they did what they needed to do. They defeated the New York Jets. But you know, looking at it objectively, there were there's some there were certainly some positives to take away from this game and plenty of negatives as well, including you would stop me if you've heard this before, but the Miami Dolphins have a personnel issue with one of their players. You mean we have a player that has a problem with the coaching staff? The coaching staff has a problem with one of our better players because they're not getting along? What is going on? This is... what? How could this happen, especially on the midst of this this season-changing victory that just took place? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's pretty surprising. It's a sad state of affairs, but let's... Before we get into, I guess why don't we just dive right in with the negatives because that's typically where we start and we'll, we'll end on the positives. So we'll start with the negatives. This offense is putrid. The Brock Osweiler was having accuracy issues today. He was overthrowing players. He was throwing behind players, even on, on simple short screen passes and, and short routes. He was, he was putting the ball in a really bad spot. It was just not a very good game for Osweiler. Um, they couldn't really get the ground game going very well at all. And on top of all of that, Adam Gase's play calling continues to be spectacularly uninspired. Uh, again, more throwing on third and short. They, th- this team seems incapable of on a third and one just running a little QB sneak or, or something like that. They're, they're always trying to get cute. Um, but not not in a good way, not necessarily in an interesting or creative way. It just seems, I don't know, I, Adam Gase's play calling just leaves a lot to be desired in this game. But we'll start with Osweiler. Brain, what was your opinion of Brock Osweiler in this game? I thought he was Brock Osweiler. I mean, he's a backup quarterback. And he came in, he made the throws that, You'd expect him to make the easy throws on some of the more difficult throws. He was not good. Uh, he ran into a couple of sacks. It was just, but he didn't make the big mistake. And that's ultimately what won them the game is that Brock Osweiler didn't make the big mistake that really cost them anything. And he, he was competent enough that they were able to put together a couple of drives to put points on the board. And at the end of the day, that was good enough. And that's not to say that Braz Osweiler had a good performance in any way, shape, or form, but he was much better than his counterpart, Sam Darnold. And that's what won them the game, is the fact that, look, at the end of the day, he just didn't make the big mistake. And that's a really important thing. And that's something that we've said about, uh, you know, what we needed to see from a Dolphins quarterback because the Dolphins haven't had a dominant sort of game changing quarterback. So whether we're talking about Ryan Tannehill or we're talking about Brock Osweiler, you just need a quarterback who's not going to have the make that big giant mistake that kills you and costs you the game. Tannehill has had that a couple of times. Osweiler 
as of yet as a dolphin hasn't had that. Um, and as you said, that was kind of the difference today because Osweiler ended up 15 of 24 for 139 yards, nothing inspiring there. But Darnold finished 21 of 39 for 229 yards, but four interceptions. And, and as you mentioned, that was really the difference in this one. So it, it, it worked out in that regard, even though it was not particularly brilliant football from Brock Osweiler. What about, what about the play calling, Brain? This continues to be an issue with this team. I mean, even, you know, towards the game, towards the end of the game, Dolphins had an opportunity to run some clock and, and, and try to run the game out. And, uh, instead you, you get a first down pass for nine yards. Um, and then you throw the ball again on second and short to stop the clock. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I, I hate to be that guy that's just railing on the play calling because Really, I believe that it's more execution than it is play calling um, that, that really makes a difference. Um, you know, when when uh, Laramie Tunsil went out of this game and you go into that drive that you're talking about late in the game and you've got Jawan, uh, Jawan James, not Jawan Howard, Jawan James, who uh, is coming back into the game, obviously hobbled, not at 100%, and you got him playing left tackle and Zach Stirrup or Zach Stirrup playing left tackle and Jawan James playing right tackle. Um, I'm just thinking, I mean, let's just, let's just run it, run it and punt it. And in the old words of Jimmy Johnson, you know, like at the end of like when, when Dan Marino was hurt and we were playing Damon Heward and who was the other Sage Rosenfels. And he was just like, Look, we're not going to win this game with our offense. We're just going to run it, run it, and punt it. That's going to be our that's going to be our uh, our strategy. We're going to win the game with field position and defense. And and I was just like, I mean, let's just do that. And then they complete a pass for nine yards and second and one. It's like, all right, well, let's just pick up this first down. We got two plays to just run the ball and pick up a first down and run some clock and and get the fuck out of here, basically. And, you know, they throw the ball incomplete. And then third and one, of course, they run it and lose yardage. Because if there's a, if there's a Dolphins play of the year, it's third and one. And then we run and we lose yardage. Um, I would say the Dolphins play of the year is first and 20, run it up the middle for two yards. <laughs> that's, that's also the play. Um, but I don't know. It's just... I like, yeah, I get it. The thing that it bugs me the yeah, most. Don't talk, don't talk about it in terms of specifically that drive. I'm talking the about over the course of the, the most, game. The thing that bugs me the most is that we constantly find ourselves in these situations where we're in third and one and we're in the freaking shotgun doing a draw play. <laughs> and that it's like the the thought of a of quarterback sneak is just it's not in the playbook. It's like we have the only playbook in the National Football League that doesn't include a quarterback sneak. It's a it's like 
No, that's that's too obvious. I mean, never mind the fact that it's obvious because that's the play that works the most, the highest percentage of times in that situation. But it's just, you know, you know like, no, no, that's that's too obvious. Let's line up in the shotgun because everybody's scared on third and one of us spreading them out and hitting a big play in the passing game because everybody's scared, obviously of Brock Osweiler throwing the ball to Leonte Carew. That's what everybody is scared of. So that's what we're going to put in their heads, and then we're really going to take them off guard when we when we hand it off to to Kenyon Drake because nobody saw that coming. Well, they're very, they're, there's not a lot of creativity. There certainly is not a lot of creativity, although... It's not that I don't... Like, like they... they like Adam Gase is obviously creative. We've seen more trick plays this season than we've seen probably in the last like eight or nine seasons combined with the with the reverses and the wide receiver passes and all this stuff. It's cool. Yeah. I, like Adam Gase can draw up some plays where you're like, man, that was a creative play call. But do you always got to get so cute? Can you just every now and then when you got a nice drive going and you get into a third and inches, just just run a QB sneak. You got you got a quarterback that that is six foot seven. If you just you, you take the hand up and you just follow the center, just dive over the center, you pick up the first down and then it's like, all right, now we got first down. Now you can do whatever the hell you want. But it's like, I don't know, third and one. Oh, we can't, you know, we, we can't just run just your conventional play here that everybody knows that we're going to run. We got to run. We got to line up in the shotgun. Then they don't know the run is coming. Yet somehow every single time we run in the shotgun and then we run the ball on third and inches, everybody knows it's coming and it's not fooling anybody. Yeah, it's. It's, it's certainly disappointing. It's infuriating, actually, because it just it's it's very predictable at this point in time what the Dolphins are going to do on a third third down situation. Although they did have a situation where it was fourth and short, and they just did a straight run up the middle and they got the first down, and it was like, huh? Well, yeah, because they put Frank Gore in the game, right? So it's like, yeah, why, yeah, why don't you do that when you need concept. it? What a novel concept! You have your your guy that's the best runner you know, on your team between the tackles, you actually put him on the field on your third, on your short yardage situation and not your third down scat back who tries to bounce everything to the outside. Yeah. So it's nice when the Dolphins can, you know, be straightforward for once and bring it up. Of course, they didn't really seem to learn anything from that because it didn't really happen again. Dolphins, of course, continue to be atrocious in this game. On third downs, uh, I'm, I'm looking to pull up the, um, oh, here it is. They were three of 16 in this Whoa. game. Three of 16 on third downs. But you know what? They won. We won because we were two for two on fourth downs. Well, I think in large part, you know, we, we've, we've railed off, ra- you know, just rattled off all of these stats and all of them are sound pretty terrible. And then we say, but you know what? We won. And I think the thing that the Dolphins, can point to as a big reason for that is that they were playing the Jets. A hundred percent. And so a hundred percent. This was this was not one of those games where you sit here and you say, you know, 
hats off to the Dolphins' defense for an amazing performance. This is one of those games where they literally won the game because the Jets gave them the game and they just didn't screw it up enough to lose it. Yeah, I mean, this was a game of which team was going to play bad enough to lose the game. And today it was the Jets. I don't want to, I don't want to downplay what the defense did. Um, although, I mean, you, it's always going to be part of it. They played against the Jets today. They didn't, if they do this against Green Bay next week, it's a very different conversation. Spoiler alert. They're not going to do this against Green Bay next week. Yeah. On the road against Green Bay. Yeah. At Lambeau Field. They're going to get slaughtered. It's probably true. They're going to give up 30 points to Green Bay next week. Don't fool yourselves. Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Sam Darnold. Spoiler alert. Big, big, bold statement from Aaron the Brain. At Brain, have you, um, you know, I just, have you had a couple drinks tonight? I've had a couple. Just a couple. Are you feeling I mean, good, though? You're feeling good. I'm not feeling bad. I ain't got no complaints. I'll tell you that much. Dolphins. The Dolphins are in the win column. Five and four, baby. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, we'll get to the defense and their performance here in just a second. I guess one of the other things before we get to the big negative coming out of this game, but uh, one of the other things that reared its ugly head a little bit in this game was the the injury bug bit again, and we saw that this offensive line just has no depth whatsoever. Um, well, so, I mean, how many injuries can I mean, that's true. That's Jeez. true. I mean, we're on we're on like the third or fourth round of injuries for this for this unit. But I mean, you know, there's not much, you know, at this point, if they've got a if to call it a patchwork offensive line might be a little bit generous. But I mean, that's essentially what you're dealing with. And then when Juwan James goes down and Zach Sterrup comes in and and Laramie Tunsil goes down and you've got Zach Sterrup come in, it's it's a little bit concerning. But you know, at the end of the day, the Dolphins were able to get away from it, but it it might be something, and again, it, something that they need to address, but how much can you address it in the middle of the season? Um, I think you've got to find ways to work around that. And Osweiler is obviously not as mobile a quarterback as Ryan Tannehill, so you're, you're hamstrung a little bit in that regard as well, but... That was a little bit disappointing in this game, but I guess the biggest negative coming away from it is that yet again, the Miami Dolphins find themselves with a personnel problem. And the problem this time, and this, and, uh, you know, I, going back to the midseason award show, I don't think this was the person that we picked for this. I can't remember who I picked was the person that was most likely to, it was most likely to have a blow up at, uh, Adam Gase. That's not, who this person is blowing up against. But regardless, I don't think it was Rashad Jones that any of us would have expected. But Rashad Jones had himself an issue. The Dolphins, after the loss to Houston, where the the Texans basically, through scheme, basically had Minka Fitzpatrick on the sideline for large portions of this game, the Dolphins decided, we're going to make Minka Fitzpatrick, a regular part of this defense. And we're going to, ha- we're going to put him in as a starter and have some other guys rotate in. So we'll have Bobby McCain rotate in. We'll have Rashad Jones rotate in. And Rashad Jones took exception to the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick went in ahead of him. 
And, you know, part of the problem with this, part of the pro- issue with Rashad Jones, and, and you can take Matt Burke for, for at least what he says with a grain of salt, if you want, or you could take him s- literally. But he said part of the problem is that he had some players that were not playing to scheme and that were sort of just doing their own thing out there. And maybe Rashad Jones, who has kind of been known to do that from time to time, was one of those guys who sort of went into business for himself. And as a result, they decided that he was going to be one of the guys that was going to take a seat so that Minka Fitzpatrick can have some more playing time. Well, Rashad Jones, apparently in this game, according to reports from Dave Hyde uh, of the Sun Sentinel, he said that uh, he, when Fitzpatrick went in for him, he made the decision, well, forget it, I'm pulling myself out of the game, I'm not going to play. And Rashad Jones made the decision to quit on his team. Now, we all had a big laugh earlier in this season when Vontae Davis decided to retire at halftime of a football game. <laughs> but now, and and certainly Rashad Jones didn't retire, but what he did was just as bad, if not worse, because he just said, I'm not, I'm not going to play. I'm pulling myself out of this game because my feelings are hurt. Because I don't like the fact that you're putting this other guy in for me. And because of that, he quit on the team. When you've got guys on this team who are playing through injuries, who have got nagging injuries here or there, uh, can't move their shoulder, have leg problems, they're hurt, they're in really bad shape. Cam Wake is out there, you know, on what's left of his body. Doing everything you can, doing everything he can, including two sacks of Sam Darnold today. Um, you've got Danny Amendola, who's you know practically made of glass out there, giving it everything he's got for the Miami Dolphins. You've got Frank Gore, thirty what how thirty nine, thirty five years old. Frank Gore is just still giving it everything he's got on every down for the Miami Dolphins, and Rashad Jones has the nerve to make the decision because another player was started ahead of him. He made the decision, I'm not going to play. And, I mean, the, my, my initial reaction is, well, screw you then. We'll, we'll just release you and get, get rid of you. We don't need that kind of attitude on this team. You know, I don't, th- it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a Pro Bowl safety or not. You can't do that. You can't just make the decision to quit on your team. So, I mean, the first reaction that I have is one of anger towards Rashad Jones. The second reaction that I have is, how the hell is there always a personnel issue on the Dolphins? (laughs) Why is there always somebody that has an issue with the coaching staff or with the decision that somebody made? There's always a problem. Well, you know, you know, Adam Gase didn't draft. Rashad Jones. So Here we clearly go. Here we go. That's the issue is that this isn't an Adam Gase guy. Well, this isn't an Adam Gase issue, which is another problem on top of it, which was it's not, Adam it's Gase. Not, it's not an Adam Gase issue. Well, I mean, it's an issue that Adam Gase had no idea what was going on, apparently, at least if you take what he said at face oh, value. The head coach has no idea what's going on with his team. What a you know, oh well, I guess I guess that's not his fault then. Yeah, it's it's a real problem. So who knows if Rashad Jones is going to be on this team this time next week? 
Uh, he he may very well not be. It's um, it's a it's a developing situation still very much. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that the Dolphins are are cutting Rashad Jones tomorrow, and then it could very well end up being Rashad Jones who ends up being the player that ends up signing for a Super Bowl winning team. Who knows? Um, but at this point, it's just another just a chalk another issue up that of course it's happening to the Miami Dolphins Rashad Jones decides to quit on the team look i don't want to defend Rashad Jones or any player that quits on his team because of a coaching decision i think that that's uh it's not the right way to handle it it's uh, really just it's not being a team player. It's 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 just it's not what you're looking for out of the leadership of your team. But that said, Rashad Jones has been the most consistent best player on this defense for about three or four years now, save for maybe Cameron Wake. But when you take into this year into account and Cameron Wake being kind of, you know, showing his age a little bit, really over the past couple of years, Cameron Wake has been a guy that has performed in spurts. Now, obviously, this year you've seen the emergence of Xavier Howard as a as an elite cornerback. That's great. But Rashad Jones has been the most consistent best player on this defense. And he's been a leader of this defense. Now you could say, well, he's been a leader of this defense and the defense has been atrocious the last few weeks. It's fair. It's absolutely fair. But I don't think that most people would look at this, even those that have, quote unquote, looked at the film. Like, you know, Adam Gase has looked at the film a million times more than any of the media members. You know, just all you got to do is ask him. I don't think anybody would say that Rashad Jones was the problem with this defense. I think a lot of people would say, you know, the biggest problems with this defense is that they don't have a number two corner on the other boundary, you know, where they've been playing Bobby McCain and Torrey McTire. So obviously, you know, the, the adjustment was to play Minka Fitzpatrick as the, board, as, the, as the boundary corner in place of Bobby McCain. Nobody, any, nobody had any complaints about that. Um, and then maybe, you know, TJ McDonald, who seems like every game takes a really bad angle and ends up giving up what would have been a 15 yard play. And it turns into a 40 yard play because TJ McDonald takes a bad angle, but it wasn't TJ McDonald that ended up losing playing time to Minka Fitzpatrick. It was Rashad Jones. And I get it. I get why Rashad Jones would be angry at that. Now, That's not, again, it's not a defense of Rashad Jones because by basically pulling yourself out of the game, you have left your team with a massive hole to fill. And to the team's credit, to the coaching staff's credit, to the player's credit, granted, it was against a really bad team, the New York Jets. The defense responded with or without and mostly without Rashad Jones. So great job by Minka Fitzpatrick. Great job by this defense that 
held up in spite of one of their best players quitting on them. I'm not going to defend Rashad Jones. It, it's it's really it's it's a problem. But like you said, how is this always a freaking problem with this regime? We didn't see this for years. I, I can't remember seeing this under under Joe Philbin, under Dave Wanstat, under Nick Saban, even under Cam. Ka- I don't remember seeing. So many freaking players that are just have such a problem with the coaching staff. And what it just says to me is that you can put X's and O's aside. There is a communication problem with this coaching staff. This coaching staff does not know how to communicate to these players and they have no rapport. And there is this constant breakdown in communication between them that we always have this problem. And we're talking about culture change. We're talking about how these players, uh, you know, we got to have all these players that buy in. We got to have that, that massive culture change. We're three years into the damn Adam Gase regime, and the only culture that I seem to see is a culture where the players just don't seem to get along with the coaches, and there always seems to be some communication breakdown. That's the culture that I see. That's the culture change that I see, and I don't think that that's making this team any better, and I would evidence that by saying, well... The product on the field isn't any better. It looks pretty damn similar to the same old Dolphins that we've seen for the last 18 years. Right. And we've said that before. We've said it before that at some point you've got to look at the common denominator, which is the coach. Now, I'm not necessarily putting this on Gase's shoulders because, listen, my understanding is that that Burke was pretty clear that there were guys that were not playing the scheme. And if Rajad Jones was one of those guys and maybe one of the biggest culprits, then, you know, this is part of it. But also being part of it is you're part of a team. And sometimes being a part of a team means understanding when you have to make a sacrifice for the good of the whole. Because the entire team is what needs to succeed, not you. It's not about your ego. Um but regardless, we're, we're going to get off of this subject for now because I have a feeling we're going to talk more about it. So you're fir- you're firmly Team Burke. I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not Team Jones. Well, yeah, I, like I said, I don't quit on my team. Well, like, I, and like I, I, I said, there's no excuse for you. At the end of the day, you can't really excuse that. But how is this always a freaking problem? Oh no, I hear how you. How is how is the best players on the team? Always at odds, you know, at odds with the coaching staff. I hear that. And, and I'm going to wait until we hear a little bit more about this because I have a feeling that more is going to come, come out and we're going to find out more and we'll have more to talk about when we do our Green Bay Packers preview show later in the week. For now, I want to move our focus over to the positives in this game. And we, we already touched on it. The defense was fantastic in this game. Four interceptions, including a pick six for Jerome Baker, turned out to be the game-winning touchdown, the only touchdown scored in this game. But the defense was pretty good all over. The secondary did not, we did not give up the big home run ball. 
in this game. There were still some times where guys were wide open over the middle, but that's been a problem with this Dolphins team. And at this point, it's just something you expect. Um, but they didn't give up the big home run ball and they were able to pretty much minimize the damage that Isaiah Crowell and Elijah McGuire could do running the ball for the Jets. And I guess, I mean, I think the biggest thing when we're talking about what this defense did was the fact that they had four sacks and that two of them came from Cameron Wake. It was a really, really great thing to see that defensive line stand up and really own the line of scrimmage in this game. Uh, it, it, it was just, again, it was against the Jets, but that's a National Football League team. So you've still got to go out there and do your job. And that is exactly what this defense did today. So I'm feeling, feeling pretty good about this, the performance that the defense turned in here today. That said, if I'm Matt Burke, I'm approaching this team and I'm talking to the defense the same way that I talked to them after that Texans game. Because if you go in there and you give these guys all the pats on the back and tell them, great job, way to go, you did a good job today, they're just going to turn around and probably put out a stinker against Green Bay next week. They're already going to have a mountain to climb to stop Aaron Rodgers in that Packers offense next week. So do whatever you need to do. Keep playing hardball with these guys. Get in their ear. Give them the old hairdryer treatment, as they uh, as they would famously say about what Sir Alex Ferguson said did when he was yelling at his Manchester United teams at halftime uh, in, in England during the glory days of Man United in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's what Matt Burke's got to do. Keep laying into these guys and see if they'll keep responding because you got a big game lying ahead. Um, but again, that said, I'm, I'm happy with how the defense did today. Brand, any general thoughts about the defense besides what you've said so far? Yeah, it was nice to see. I thought Cameron Wake and Akeem Spence especially really dominated their matchups all day long. Cameron Wake, two sacks, four hits on the quarterback. Akeem Spence, two sacks of his own, um, and and a lot of plays were that he made in the in the running game as well. Um, yeah, I thought they played well. I thought Kiko Alonso with with a big interception and you know being all over the place. Uh, you know, Jerome Baker obviously the pick six made a big play. Even Raquan McMillan made a big play in this game. The defense played well. Uh, there was a time there at the end of the, at the end of the half, at the end of the first half, where I thought that it was absolutely ludicrous that the defense that had played so dominantly through the, through the entirety of the first half, uh, that Matt Burke went out in the second, uh, went out the last drive of the first half with like le less than two minutes to go and decided that it was a good idea to change everything that we were doing and, and, and dropped the linebackers back 10 to 15 yards in coverage every down. And the Jets, you know, promptly took advantage of that and completed a couple of passes right up the middle for big gains. And then before you knew it, they were in field goal range. I thought that was ludicrous. I thought that, um, you know, coming out of halftime, it looked like the Jets had made some adjustments and they were attacking the Dolphins linebackers. But at the end of the day, that's what this game was, was that Sam Darnold looked like he was terrified to throw at a Dolphins defensive back. He, he was just like, we're trying to get 
our receivers, our tight ends, our running backs lined up against linebackers. And that's where we're going with the ball every time. And then when he got put into a precision where he, he had to go to a receiver, he inevitably made a mistake. And this was just, I mean, you couldn't ask for an easier game for the defense. It was just, this was just taking candy from a baby. That's how bad Sam Darnold and the Jets offense was in this game is that it was just, you know, hold your own. Don't allow the tight end or the running back to beat you. He's not going to even target the run, the receivers. Um, and th- before you know it, they're going to end up in third and long. And then when they're in third and long, if he ends up looking receivers way, we've got him where we want him. And that, that was the case. It was just, this was just such an easy performance. Like, I'm not going to sit here and knock the defense. The defense did their job. But this wasn't an example of the Dolphins defense just being utterly dominant as much as it was just Sam Darnold and the Jets offense being completely inept. And that's why we won this game. We literally won this game because Sam Darnold could not get out of his own way. <laughs> I mean, the, the difference in the game was a pick six. The defense completely dominated the game and the defense gave up more, po- gave up as many points as the Dolphins offense scored. In fact, the Jets offense produced more than the Dolphins offense, but the difference in the game was the turnovers, which was ultimately just Sam Darnold making bad throw after bad throw, bad decision after bad decision. And the Dolphins just taking advantage of being in the right place in the right time. So I mean, great job, I guess, but really it was just, this, this was just the Jets lost this game more than the Dolphins won it. That's probably fair to say, but I mean, when it's an ugly game like this, it is, it is what it is. Somebody's got to win, and and you know, if you want to take solace in that and be like, "Hey, we won the game. We did what we needed to do. We're four and one at home. We're a half game behind the Bengals for the sixth seed in the AFC," and you want to feel great about it. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead. You're 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 certainly justified. But you know, I feel bad for you because by the end of the season, you're going to come to the stunning realization that this team just isn't very good. Yeah, they certainly don't seem to be at this time. I'm at this point in time that display like what they had today offensively is not going to get them very far. But again. You can only beat the team that's in front of you, and even though it wasn't pretty, it was certainly an ugly win, but the Dolphins did what they needed to do and did get that win. Another positive in this game, I thought, was the Dolphins are starting very slowly, ever so slowly, but surely they are beginning to integrate Kalen Bellage into this offense in interesting ways. Um, and it's usually in some form of the wildcat package, but he was in there on a couple of other plays, ended with a couple of receptions for 17 yards. Um, and he had, he had one actual run that I think he lost a couple of yards on, but he had one big play out of the wildcat where he ran for like 10 or 15 yards and it was called back due to a holding penalty. Penalties uh, continue to be something of an issue for this Dolphins team, although it wasn't, uh, wasn't as bad today as it's been in some other occasions. But when in combined with the play calling of Adam Gase, when you end up on a first and 20 and you just decide you're going to run for two yards, you basically give up on the drive. But I digress. 
Kalen Balaj, I'm 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 liking what I'm seeing in limited action from Kalen Balaj, and I would love the Dolphins to continue to explore ways to get him more involved. I think right now it's a little bit easy to sort of figure out what the Dolphins are going to do when he's in there. It's going to be some sort of run with him most of the time when he's in the game. But if they can keep mixing it up and keep exploring that, I think that's another um, interesting tool to use to sort of mix mix things up offensively for the Dolphins. So I I like what I'm seeing there. What I see out of Kalen Balaj is I see a bigger version of Kenyon Drake. I see a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, but also has that size that if he hits the hole hard, he's going to pick up a few yards because he's just, he's serious. Like he, he's just bigger and runs with more authority than, than a Kenyon Drake. And the fact that he can be that guy that can run between the tackles, but still be a guy that can be utilized in the passing game. I see what they like in him. Um, now, what that means for this year, I don't know because, you know, Frank Gore seems to have that role locked down as being the, the steady guy and, and Kenyon Drake as being the guy that catches the ball out of the backfield. So Balazs seems to be kind of your spell to both of them. You know, he can g- kind of do a little bit of each of their roles but he's not going to be the starter in each of those roles. He's not going to be the first option in either of those roles. So I kind of get it. But in the long term, I could totally see uh, Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake being a one-two punch and potentially even Kalen Balaj being a three-down back. So uh, I see what they like in him. Um, obviously, you got to see, you know, can he? can the guy block? Can he can he carry the load on a consistent basis? Can he consistently be a threat out of the backfield when he's put into a position where he he's asked to do that on a consistent basis? We don't know these things because he hasn't been asked to do that in a regular season game. But uh, this was the first game of the year where I thought that you just really saw them try to utilize utilize Caitlin Balage and. I thought he looked good. He did look good. So, uh, you know, some positives. And then on top of all of that, the Dolphins won the game. And and another positive, the 1972 Miami Dolphins are still the only team in the history of the National Football League to run the table in the regular season and the postseason and win the Super Bowl with an undefeated record. Mercury Morris, Bob Greasy, Larry Zonka, they can all pop the champagne bottles today. Because the Los Angeles Rams lost in New Yay. Orleans to the Saints. Yay. So, I mean, Yay. that's about one of the only things we've got. I mean, come on. How long are we going to hang our hats on? I mean, look, I, it's cool. Till somebody else cool. does it. Yeah, but I mean, do we have to make a big deal out of it every year? I mean, really? I mean, it's not. Not really making a big deal out of it. We're I'm mentioning They're it on the show. Popping the champagne. That's those oh, guys yeah. doing. Those guys are popping the champagne. They're, it's not like they're doing popping champagne on a pay per view. Well, you they know? would. I mean, they like like they would if it was like a Monday night game. Like for example, uh, you know, 
that year that we beat the Bears or a year that the Dolphins played the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Now, granted, I think that year the Broncos actually lost the week before. But, like, you know, those guys still showed up. These guys just want to be in front of the television camera. They want to hang on to some shred of relevance so that people remember the 1972 – look, hey, everybody knows. Everybody knows. You guys went undefeated. It's cool. It's great. Only team that ever did the only team that ever did it. The perfect season. Great. Can we please not have that be our only freaking identity as a franchise? Well, in order for that to happen, we're we're depending on this front office to do a lot of things for us. And we're we're depending on the, the front office, the coaching staff, and the players to do what we need them to do to shift the focus to something else. And that hasn't happened in a while, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in the immediate future. Well, hey, hey, five and four. Five and four. Half game out of the playoffs. Boy, you wish you won that game in Cincinnati at this point. Uh, here's some thoughts from the listener's brain. Uh, let's see. <laughs> D- Dolphins end zone is, is, as usual, very cheery. He says, painful to watch. Offense is still in the dumps. Three out of 16 on third downs. Defense played a bad team. Hard, so hard to watch. You can see what's coming. Uh, his, well, hey, and then we were two for two on fourth down. That's true. So that's better. That's an improvement. His next tweet was Devonte Parker, one reception, eight yards. Well, it's not Devonte Parker's fault that Brock Osweiler sucks. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that that probably has more to do with the fact that Devonte Parker didn't do a whole lot today. It was the fact that Osweiler was really bad, but. You know, point taken. I mean, it is a Devontae Parker thing to do. And, uh, you know, until proven otherwise, he's a guy that can ha- put up big numbers one week and then disappear completely the next. Um, at FinFan2 says, how about a QB sneak on third and short? At least try it once every season. <laughs> right. I don't think it's in the playbook. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Island Canes says, and I think you'll have something to say to this, Brain. Island Canes, that's Island underscore Canes, says, once again, the Dolphins administration passes on a Canes tight end. We saw fourth round pick rookie Chris Herndon catch four receptions for 64 yards and second round pick Mike Kosicki not have a catch in this game. Yep. And if Mike Gesicki was on the New York Jets and Chris Herndon was on the Miami Dolphins, you'd probably have the uh, Mike Gesicki with four catches for 62 yards and Chris Herndon for zero catches for zero yards. Chris Herndon is not some amazing player. I'm a Hurricanes fan. Chris Herndon, I like Chris Herndon. I'm not saying he's a bad player. Came into the game with 12 catches. He had a nice game against the Dolphins because the Dolphins can't cover tight ends. And because... The Jets came in and decided that they didn't want to throw to any wide receivers in this game. That's, I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, Chris Herndon had four catches for 62 yards. Cool. It's not like Chris Herndon looked like, you know, the next Rob Gronkowski or anything. Like, he's just a whatever tight end. Uh, now, if you want to say, like, Mike Kosicki has been terrible, you know, fine. I mean, he hasn't been productive by any stretch, but, who cares? I mean, really? I mean, is that what you're looking at in all of the the big picture problems that this team has? Are you really looking at this team and saying, well, if we would have drafted Chris Herndon instead of Mike Kosicki, this team would look so much different. I mean, come on. That's I suppose that's fair. I suppose that's fair. Final you tweet. Suppose? 
I suppose. Final tweet that we're going to read here. And don't forget, our Twitter is at Sam Dolphins. It comes from Admiral Dolphin. At Dolphin oh. underscore Admiral. <laughs> and the Admiral says, Only the greatest franchise in the history of humanity could have done such a thing as have a perfect season. Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, Aristotle, Napoleon, Charlemagne, Thomas Jefferson, and the 1972 Miami Dolphins. <laughs> People that changed the course of human history as we know it. Admiral oh. Dolphin may have been who you were subtweeting at a moment ago as you were uh, railing about not making the 72 Dolphins such a big deal. But in the meantime, Brain. And me and Admiral Dolphin, have, we, we have had our differences. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the steel cage match at WrestleMania 33 or whatever it is this year coming up. Uh, in the meantime, Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. I also do a lot of tweeting from the official Same Old Dolphin Show Twitter account at Same Old Dolphins. You can also download, rate, review, and subscribe to every single episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. So we hope you will do that. And don't forget to give us uh, a nice review. Leave us a five-star rating. It would re We'd really appreciate it and helps other folks find out about the show. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Dolphins, and you can comment on what we post over there and, and share your thoughts with us over there on Facebook as well as Twitter. And don't forget, we are now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Every episode of the same old Dolphin show is on DolphinsTalk.com, as is DolphinsTalk.com daily, the Landon and Jeff show, uh, the Perfect Bill, Perfectville podcast, Fins Up, Fans Down. And uh, on, on top of that, there's all kinds of great columns and insight over there on DolphinsTalk.com. Make it your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins over there, DolphinsTalk.com. And finally, you can subscribe directly to the same old Dolphin show on SoundCloud. We'd appreciate you visiting us over there, giving us a follow, listening to every episode of the show, and leaving some comments, joining us in conversation over there as well. That is going to wrap us up for this recap edition, this victory Sunday night uh episode of the same old Dolphin show. We will be back later this week to preview the Dolphins' big trip to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers, a game in which the Dolphins might very well be pulling themselves back into playoff position, or as the brain boldly predicted earlier, we might find ourselves right back down at 500. Who knows? We'll break it down later this week. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the show, everybody. For Aaron the Brain, this is Amplified to Rock. This is Josh. Take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! <laughs> <laughs>